Sana. If we chose to express our niyyah in the words of chapter 6, verse 80 of the Holy Quran, then after completing niyyah, we recite Sana. If not, then after beginning our prayer with Allahu Akbar, we recite Sana, which is in the following words Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, wa tabarakasmuka, wa ta'ala jadduka, wa la ilaha gairuka. Holy are you, O Allah, and all praise is yours, and blessed is your name, and exalted is your majesty, and there is none worthy of worship except you. Subhanaka, holy are you. Allah is pure of imperfection. The difference between tasbih, saying subhanallah, and tahmid, saying alhamdulillah, is that in tasbih we say that Allah is free of all imperfections, and in tahmid we say that Allah has all perfections, in one we negate, and in the other we affirm. Subhanallah means he declared God to be free from all defects and weaknesses. He glorified God. The word is used about God and conveys the sense of glorifying Him and declaring Him to be free from all defects, anything that may detract from or adversely affect His attributes of oneness, knowledge, power, purity, etc. In concept, tasbih may seem redundant. After all, if we believe in Allah, then we already believe that he is free of all defects. The definition of the word Allah is the name of the supreme being who is the sole possessor of all perfect attributes and is free from all defects. If we already believe in Allah and know that he is free of all imperfections, then why emphasize that he is free of imperfection? The reason for this emphasis is that there is a difference in believing in something in concept and believing in something in practice. There are many imperfections that we unknowingly attribute to Allah Almighty. Doing tasbih means we identify these and correct them. For example, in concept, we believe that Allah Almighty is near. However, we may not have experienced His nearness as a reality in a long time, wherever. As a result, if we look within ourselves, we will find that we feel that Allah is distant. This feeling of distance naturally results in weakness in our prayers. When we feel that Allah is distant, then we feel that He doesn't really hear us. As a result, our prayers lack certainty and our words lack gravity. When we feel Allah is distant, then we feel that He doesn't really see us. As a result, our stance and facial expression in Salat reflect carelessness. When we feel that Allah is distant, we feel that He doesn't really speak. As a result, we don't seek an answer and our relationship dies. If we feel that Allah is distant, then we feel that He doesn't really know everything. As a result, our mind easily wanders into one embarrassing thought or another. If the person next to us knew what we were thinking when we daydream in Salat and why we were thinking it, it would be awkward. If we do not recite Holy are you, Subhanaka, with attention, our concepts will contradict with our practices. Our belief in concept will tell us that Allah is supposed to be near but our belief and practice will tell us that He is distant. Our prayer will be spent in frustration because we are trying to act on beliefs that contradict each other. When we say, Holy are you, Subhanaka, we find these imperfections in our practice and then realize that they attribute imperfections to our concept of Allah Almighty. Subhanahu means, I declare God to be far removed or free from every imperfection, defect, impurity, and I magnify, celebrate, glorify, and praise Him. If we recite, Holy are you, Subhanaka, with attention, then we begin prayer with our beliefs being consistent and in harmony with each other. 
Just realizing our wrong beliefs will make those feelings of distance from Allah Almighty start disappearing on their own. An awareness of Allah Almighty's presence comes over us that we did not feel the moment before we said, Holy are you, Subhanaka. We suddenly realize that He is not deaf. Rather, He has heard everything we have said. We realize that He is not blind. Rather, He sees us in this very place. We realize that He is not mute. Rather, He can answer us at this very moment. When we say, Holy are you, Subhanaka, we should ask ourselves, Do I really believe that Allah has the power to accept my prayer right now? The Promised Messiah said, Never miss Salat. Observe it repeatedly, and with this thought, that I am standing in front of a being of such power, that if he wills, he can accept my prayer now, in this very state, in fact, in this very moment, in fact, in this very second. Vested Interest in Thinking Less of Allah We must also remember that our lower self has a vested interest in attributing imperfections to Allah Almighty. For example, when Muslim scholars lost their righteousness and no longer received the favor of revelation, they had two choices. They could either admit that they had become misguided and were no longer worthy of receiving revelation from Allah, or they could hide their misguidance by claiming that Allah no longer speaks to anyone. They chose to conceal their misguidance and attribute imperfections to Allah instead. This created a vicious cycle. Their weaknesses changed their concept of God, and then their wrong concept of God led to greater weakness. When they stopped believing that Allah would speak to them, they stopped seeking interaction with Allah Almighty, and as a result, they ceased being spoken to. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih al-Awwal used to relate about one of his teachers that he saw a dream when he was in Bhopal, that he was standing near a bridge in the outskirts of the town. There he found a leper whose whole body had been infested with worms. Flies were resting on his body. He asked him who he was. He replied that he was God, his Lord. The teacher said that he had read so many praiseworthy things about God in the Holy Qur'an, that he is so beautiful and there is none who is comparable to him. What has become of his condition? God replied to him, My appearance that you are seeing is not the one I possess in reality. This is how I look through the eyes of the people of Bhopal. Hazrat Muslim who advised that examine yourselves closely and analyze your actions, words, sayings, your movements and your rest. Examine how you see God as compared to the things that you love in this world, lest your view of God be the same as the people of Bhopal or similar to it. Remember well that God is entirely free and pure of all ugliness, vice, and disfigurement. End quote. If our prayers are not being accepted, then the uncomfortable truth is that we are doing something wrong. The difficult path is to change ourselves so that we become worthy of the acceptance of prayer. However, it is much easier to change our concept of Allah rather than changing ourselves. It is easier to attribute imperfection to Allah and believe that He no longer accepts prayers. With this excuse, we can say that we tried our best, but it's not our fault that our worship produced no results. This creates a vicious cycle, because when we convince ourselves that Allah does not accept prayers, then we have little reason to pray, and we gradually cease to pray at all. If we don't practically believe that Allah can accept our prayers, then we start to disbelieve in the attribute of the responder, Al-Mujib. That attribute ceases to exist for us, and we cease to seek blessings from that attribute. 
if we believe and practice that Allah Almighty does not hear, or see, or speak, then we will slowly stop praying to Him and obeying Him and expecting a response from Him. The lack of correct doctrines will result in a lack of action on our part. The lack of action will result in a lack of response from Allah Almighty. Allah Almighty says, I am to my slave as he thinks of me. To us he will become a deaf, blind and mute God. It does not matter how much religious knowledge we have or how much of a scholar we are. If we do not have a correct belief in Allah Almighty in practice, we can never have a living relationship with Him. In tasbih, we recognize that our lower self has a vested interest in attributing imperfections to Allah Almighty. We realize that if there is any weakness, it is not a weakness in Allah, subhanAllah. It is in fact a weakness in us. When we say, Holy are you, subhanaka, we reflect on the being of Allah with emphasis on negating imperfections we attribute to Him. Allahumma, O oh Allah. Any name is meaningless to us if we don't know someone with that name. For example, if you don't know anybody named Zaid, Zaid is a meaningless word to you. However, if someone close to you is named Zaid, then the person comes to your mind when you hear their name. You picture their face, along with who he is. Think of the name of someone very close to you. The mention of that word brings with it an immediate recognition and a flow of thoughts and emotions. It brings to mind the person you know. With the word Allah, we are addressing Allah Almighty personally. In the Arabic language, this word is never used for any other being or thing. No other language has a distinctive name for the Supreme Being. The names found in other languages are attributive or descriptive. Allah is always used in the singular. The name Allah can only be meaningful to us if we know Him. When we say Allah, we think of the being we know. The degree to which we are familiar with Allah is the degree to which this name will carry meaning for us. There is, however, a distinction between how we recognize people and how we recognize Allah Almighty. Hazrat Muslim said, We see people's beauty first, and then we see their characteristics after. The beauty of a person is visible and his characteristics are hidden. For this reason, character is higher than beauty. However, with the being of Allah Almighty, we see the characteristics of Allah first and His beauty after. The beauty of Allah is more hidden than the characteristics of Allah. End quote. When we hear the name of someone we are barely acquainted with, then only their face comes to mind. But when we hear the name of someone we are close to, then their characteristics come to mind. In the initial stages of spirituality, when Allah is only an acquaintance, hearing His name brings to mind the attributes we know or have interacted with. As we experience His favors more and more, we start to understand the being behind those favors. The more we get to know Allah Almighty through understanding and experiencing His attributes, the more we see His beauty. Eventually, when we hear the name of Allah, it is His beauty that now comes to mind. When we say, O oh Allah, Allahumma, we can ask ourselves how familiar we are with Allah Almighty. The word should bring with it a spontaneous recognition and a flow of thoughts and emotions. It brings to mind a being who we know. When we have a presence of mind on who we are addressing, then the words, O oh Allah, Allahumma, carry a feeling of intimacy. True believers are those who whose hearts tremble when the name of Allah is mentioned. Chapter 8, verse 3 Wabihamdika, And all praise is yours. Difference between tasbih and takhmeed 
Tasbih, saying Subhanallah, is a foundation for Takhmeed, saying Alhamdulillah. It is important to remove any imperfections from our minds before we can reflect on the perfections of Allah Almighty. That is why the words, Holy are you, Subhanaka, come before the words, and all praise is yours, Wabihamdika. Hazrat Muslim who said, In extolling the holiness of God, only being free from imperfections is mentioned. However, explaining the attributes of God only up to this point is not sufficient for a person who is at a higher stage of reflection. For a complete mind, it is necessary to express the attributes that affirm his qualities. The reality is that a complete connection with Allah Almighty cannot be achieved without reflecting on and benefiting from the affirming attributes of God. A person who simply extols the holiness of God, he only says that God Almighty is a superior being. However, a person who praises God, he demonstrates him to be a living God. He benefits from the attributes of God, and he causes their benefit to reach others. End quote. Let's use the example of distance and nearness. When we say, holy are you, subhanaka, we remove the misconception that Allah is distant. The emphasis here is not on how near Allah Almighty is, but on how he is not distant. When we say, and all praise is yours, wabihamdika, the emphasis here is on how near he is. We say that Allah Almighty is praiseworthy and is closer to us than we can imagine. We don't just say that Allah is not deaf, but we reflect on his praiseworthy attribute of being the all-hearing. The Holy Quran says, It is he who hears all things and is ever near. Chapter 34, verse 51. We don't just say that he is not blind, but we reflect on his praiseworthy attribute of being the all-seeing. The Holy Quran says, And he is with you wheresoever you may be and Allah sees all that you do. Chapter 57, verse 5. We don't just say that he is not mute, but we reflect on his praiseworthy attribute of being the answerer of prayers. The Holy Quran says, And when my servants ask you about me, say, I am near. I answer the prayer of the supplicant when he prays to me. Chapter 2, verse 187. We don't just say that Allah is not oblivious, but we reflect on his praiseworthy attribute of being the all-knowing. The Holy Quran says, We know what his self whispers to him, and we are nearer to him than even his jugular vein. Chapter 50, verse 17. When we do tasbih, saying subhanallah, we look inwards and find all the imperfections that we ourselves attribute to Allah Almighty. When we do takhmeed, saying alhamdulillah, we look outwards and observe all the perfections of Allah Almighty. The emphasis of tasbih is not to affirm a reality that exists, it is to negate a falsehood that does not exist. This is why there are very few ways of doing tasbih, but there are a hundred ways of doing takhmeed. In almost all the places that we do tasbih, we express it with only one word, which is subhan. We don't need a vast vocabulary to negate the imperfections that we invented ourselves, but we do need a vast vocabulary to describe the countless beauties of Allah Almighty. When we do takhmeed, then we say, Holy is my Lord, the Most Great, or Holy is my Lord, the Most High, or Holy is Allah, Lord of the Throne, or Holy is Allah, Lord of all the worlds, or Holy is Allah, and all praise is His. When we say, and all praise is yours, wabihamdika in sana, we look outward and observe all of the different ways that Allah Almighty is praiseworthy. What does wabihamdika mean? 1. 
and praise be to you. One meaning of bihamdika is praise be to you. This makes subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika into two separate statements. Its translation would be, Holy are you, O Allah, and praise be to you. The wa is here interpreted as and, referring to consecutive action. Lane's lexicon says that by bihamdika is meant alhamdulaka, praise be to you. End quote. When we recite with this interpretation in mind, we first reflect on how Allah Almighty is free of all weaknesses. We pause, and then we reflect on how He possesses all perfect attributes. 2. While praising you. Another meaning of bihamdika is praising you. This makes the phrase subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika into one statement rather than two statements. Its translation would be, I declare your holiness, O Allah, while praising you. The wa is here interpreted as while, referring to simultaneous action. Lane's lexicon says, Authors differ respecting the bi in the saying, فَسَبِّهْ bihamdi rabbik." Some saying that it denotes concomitance, and that hamd is prefixed to the objective complement, so that the meaning is, Declare thou his, thy Lord's freedom from everything derogatory from his glory, praising him. Declare thou his freedom from that which is not suitable to him, and ascribe to him that which is suitable to him. Also, nusabbihu bihamdika, that by bihamdika is meant hamidina lak. When we recite with this interpretation in mind, we reflect on how every weakness that we falsely attribute to Allah Almighty is connected to a true attribute of His that refutes it. For example, when we remind ourselves that Allah Almighty is not oblivious to what we do, we are simultaneously reminded that He is all-knowing and He sees everything we do. Tasbih and tahmid can be done separately or, as in this case, simultaneously. 3. And with your praise. Another meaning of bihamdika is with your praise. In this interpretation, there would be an implied verb before or after this phrase. This implied verb is also found in the use of bi in bismillah with the name of Allah. The compound word bismi, therefore, would mean with the name of. According to the Arab usage, the words ikra or akrau or nakrau or ishra or ashrau or nashrau would be taken to be understood before bismillah. The expression bismillah would thus mean begin with the name of Allah, or recite with the name of Allah, or I or we begin with the name of Allah, or I or we recite with the name of Allah. The words with the name of Allah are left open-ended so that we can use them in every situation. If a person is going to go for a walk, he can add this verb and say, I walk with the name of Allah. If a person is going to cook, he can add this verb, and say, I cook with the name of Allah. Any verb can be used to fit every situation in our daily lives. The meanings of the words with the name of Allah are vast because they can have so many verbs implied with it. Similarly, the words with your praise can also have many verbs implied with it. The following are some possible verbs. A. And I begin with praising you. Since we are beginning our prayer, the act of beginning can be the implied verb. Thus, we mean to say that holy are you, O Allah, and I begin with praising you. Lane's lexicon says, and I begin with praising thee, abtadiyu being understood. End quote. When we recite with this interpretation, we bring to mind the entire Salat, 
we are about to observe, and then we make the intention of beginning that salat with the praise of Allah. B. And with your praise I declare your holiness. Since we are declaring the holiness of Allah, the implied verb can continue this subject of holiness. Thus we mean to say that holy are you, O Allah, and by praising you I declare your holiness. Wabihamdika sabbahtuka. Lane's lexicon says, And by praising thee I extol thy remoteness or freedom from every impurity. Sabbahtuka, being understood. One says also, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, meaning, Sabbahtuka bi jami'i alaika wa bihamdika sabbahtuka. I glorify thee by enumerating all thy benefits, and by praising of thee I glorify thee. End quote. There are so many small weaknesses that we falsely attribute to Allah Almighty without noticing. Were it not for the countless ways of praise that have been revealed to correct our concept of God, we would have fallen into all types of shirk. When we say, Holy are you, O Allah, and by praising you I declare your holiness, it is a statement of humility. We say that we can only do true tasbih because of the tahmid that we have been taught. It is by means of the praise Allah Almighty taught us that we are able to do something so basic as declaring His holiness. Also, in some cases, the wa can be interpreted to add emphasis to the phrase that follows. Lane's lexicon says that, or according to Abu Amr ibn al-Ala, the wa is corroborative, as in the phrase wa huwa laka, or huwa lak. kasmuka, and blessed is your name. Attributes of Allah are only way we can see Him. The names of Allah Almighty are a source of blessings for us because they are the only way we have of knowing Him. For example, Allah Almighty is described as An-Nur, the light. Our eyes cannot see light. They can only see how light reflects off of objects. We could be floating in outer space and be surrounded by intense light. But if there were nothing for it to reflect on, we would be unaware of it. Space seems dark because of its emptiness, not necessarily because of an absence of light. When we see an object reflecting light, that is a sign for us that there is light present. In the world of our eyesight, we live in a world of reflections. We are surrounded by light and can never see it. We spend our lives observing its reflection. Similarly, the reality is that we cannot see the being of Allah. Hazrat Abu Dhar narrated, I asked the Messenger of Allah, Do you see your Lord? He said, He is light. How could I see him? Sahih Muslim. It is only the reflection of the light of Allah that we see. We live in a world of reflections. Each name of Allah is a sign for a different beauty of the being of Allah. An ism is the name of a thing, a sign conveying knowledge of a thing. The names of Allah are signs that convey knowledge of the being of Allah. They are the only way we have of knowing His reality. For example, it is through the attribute of the merciful that we interact with Allah Almighty. That interaction is an object that His light reflects off of. If it weren't for that interaction, we would never know that the being of Allah is present. The being of Allah surrounds us, but we can never see Him. Eyes cannot reach Him, but He reaches the eyes, and He is the imperceptible and all-aware. Chapter 6, verse 104 The names of Allah are a source of blessings for us because they are how His beauty reaches our eyes. Names of Allah reflect His reality The names of Allah are always reflective of a greater reality behind them. However, the names of people are often meaningless or misleading.
There is usually little use in reflecting on people's names because they do not provide much insight into the reality of that person. The Promised Messiah said, The ism, name, of a thing is generally understood by people as that by which it is recognized. End quote. For example, the name Bakr does not have much significance in its meaning. If we know someone named Bakr, the word just reminds us of the person because of word association. It is not descriptive of who they are. Also, the names we give to people can be the opposite of who they turn out to be. Someone could be named Sadiq, but we may find him to be a liar. However, the names given by Allah are never meaningless and always give true insight into his being. The Promised Messiah goes on to explain, In the view of people who are learned, the ism, name, of a thing is a reflection of its reality. There is no doubt that the names given by Allah to things signify their properties. End quote. The names of Allah signify His reality. The more we understand those names, the more we will be able to see His beauties. That is why they are tabarak, which means blessed and abundant in good. Each name of Allah conveys knowledge of a beauty of Allah Almighty. When we say, blessed is your name, tabarak asmuka, we say that each name of Allah is an abundant and everlasting good that always continues increasing. We remind ourselves that the names of Allah are the only way we can know Him, and the more we understand them, the more of His beauty we will be able to see. Invoking the name of Allah Tabaraka also means that one looks for a blessing by means of uttering His name. When we pray to Allah Almighty, by looking for blessings through the name of Allah that is relevant to that prayer, then the prayer becomes filled with blessings. Allah Almighty says in the Holy Qur'an, Say, call upon Allah or call upon Rahman. By whichever name you call him, his are the most beautiful names. Chapter 17, verse 110. In commentary, Hazrat Muslim one who explained that every objective has a relevant name of Allah Almighty which we should pray by means of. When we need something related to the attribute of the grace of Allah, then we should pray by means of the attribute of the gracious Ar-Rahman. When we are in need of mercy or provisions or bestowal, we should pray by means of that attribute. All beautiful names belong to Allah, and we should pray using the name that is in accordance to the situation. Hazrat Muslim said, When we ask of Allah by means of the name that is relevant to our purpose, then the prayer is more blessed. If someone does not have children and he prays, O Creator, grant me a child, this is a proper way to pray. End quote. This approach to prayer is taught to us right from the beginning of the Holy Qur'an. Hazrat Muslim one who explained that in Surah Al-Fatiha, each prayer has a corresponding attribute. All praise belongs to Allah, correlates to, You alone do we worship. When man comes to know that all beauties are in Allah Almighty, he spontaneously says that he worships Him alone. The name Lord of all the worlds correlates to the prayer, You alone do we implore for help. When man comes to know that Allah Almighty is the creator and benefactor of everyone and every particle, he says that he only seeks help from him. The name, the gracious, correlates to the prayer, guide us on the right path. When he sees that Allah Almighty has provided for all of man's necessities without any effort on his part, then he spontaneously says that his greatest need is finding Allah, his spiritual necessity, and he begs to be provided with the means to achieve it. The name, the merciful, correlates to the prayer, the path of those on whom you have bestowed your blessings. 
The mercy of Allah does not allow any effort of man to go to waste. And man prays to be guided along the right path until he reaches the rewards that previous people have received. The name Master of the Day of Judgment correlates to the prayer those who have not incurred displeasure and those who have not gone astray. When man knows that he will be accountable for his actions, then the fear of failure arises in his heart and he prays to be saved from the displeasure of Allah Almighty. One wisdom of this approach is that when we reflect on the attribute relevant to our prayer, we will think of all the ways Allah Almighty has manifested His glory through that attribute. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ would visit someone who was sick, he would pray, O Allah, the Lord of the people, the remover of trouble, please cure this patient, for you are the healer. None brings about healing but you, a healing that will leave behind no ailment. Sahih Bukhari. When we are praying to be healed and appeal to Allah Almighty by means of His attribute of the healer, we will also think of how Allah Almighty has healed countless people before from far worse illnesses. If there were any doubt in our mind about Allah's power to heal us, it would be removed. The power of Allah to accept our prayer would be present in our mind with more clarity and our prayer would be filled with greater certainty. If we are praying to be pardoned, then we appeal to Allah by means of His attribute of the pardoner. The Holy Prophet ﷺ taught that if we find Laylatul Qadr, we should pray, O Allah, You are the pardoner and You love to pardon, so pardon me. Tirmizi. This approach fills our prayers with hope that motivates us to never give up on that prayer until it is accepted. If the thought arises in our mind that we may be too sinful to be pardoned, and this prayer is pointless, then reminding ourselves that Allah Almighty is the pardoner who loves to pardon will motivate us to keep striving towards the doors of repentance. When we say, Blessed is your name, Tabarakasmuka, we are reminded to seek blessings through the names of Allah Almighty for the acceptance of our prayers. God being the source of all goodness, even the invoking of His name proves a blessing. Says the Quran, chapter 55, verse 79, Blessed be the name of your Lord, the owner of majesty, and honor. Wa ta'ala jadduka, and exalted is your majesty. Unknown names of Allah. Hazrat Khalifatul Masihir Rabi Rahimahullah said, Wa ta'ala jadduka, this is that being who is exalted above every other being. No other being can compare with him. End quote. When exalted is your majesty, ta'ala jadduka, is read in juxtaposition with blessed is your name, tabara kasmuka. Then the emphasis in Exalted is Your Majesty is on the being of Allah. In contrast, the emphasis in Blessed is Your Name is on the attributes of Allah. The being of Allah Almighty is far more vast than the names we know can describe to us. We only know a finite number of names of Allah according to our finite capacities. For example, our eyes are capable of seeing only a limited number of colors in the spectrum of light. What exists outside of that spectrum is beyond our capacity, so we do not need to name those colors. All of the words we have for different colors only describe what exists within the very limited spectrum of light that we are able to see. Similarly, the names of Allah that we are taught represent only the limited knowledge that we are capable of understanding. The Holy Prophet ﷺ prayed, I ask of you by every name with which you have described yourself, or which you have taught to any of your creation, or which you have revealed in your book, 
or which you have chosen to keep in the knowledge of the unseen with you. Musnad Ahmad There are countless names of Allah that we are unaware of. The being of Allah is not confined to the number of names our species is capable of understanding. The reality of Allah is infinitely more vast than the finite spectrum of Allah that we are capable of perceiving. When we say, Blessed is your name, the Barakasmuka, we remind ourselves that the names that we have been taught describe every color and beauty within the spectrum of our sight. However, when we say, Exalted is your majesty, Ta'ala Jadduka, we remind ourselves that the majesty of the being of Allah is far more broad than our spectrum of sight and far loftier than what any name can do true justice to. Names cannot fully express reality of Allah. The being of Allah Almighty is far greater than what any name can express. However great a name of Allah may be, it is only a sign for a greater reality behind it. The majesty of Allah is far above what any name can describe. For example, the name Malik, king, can apply to a person who is a king. And this word can encompass in its meaning the full extent of his attributes as a king. However, the name Al-Malik, the king, has also been revealed as an attribute of Allah Almighty. The difference between a person being Malik, king, and Allah being Al-Malik, the king, is only in the word Al. The Al signifies perfection. But that Al can never do justice to the infinite difference between a man being Malik and Allah Almighty being Al-Malik. The word Al-Malik cannot encompass in its meaning the full extent of his attribute as the king. In fact, no words can express or encompass any revelation of Allah. This is why revelation from Allah in general is referred to with the word Wahi, which means to convey one's intention or wish by means of quick signs. Hazrat Muslim said, In my opinion, the word Wahi was chosen for referring to revelation from God because spiritual realities cannot be fully expressed in words. They can only be indicated to. Thus, in the word Wahi is an indication of how lofty revelation is. End quote. While every name of Allah is filled with eternal truths and blessings, but the reality of Allah behind that name is infinitely greater. The majesty of Allah and the greatness of His being are supremely exalted and far beyond what any word or name can signify. Jad refers to the greatness or majesty of God. It also refers to His freedom from all wants or the like. It refers to a majesty that is independent of us. No matter how great the majesty of an ordinary king is, he is not free of want. It is only the majesty of Allah that includes the absence or non-existence of wants. The majesty of Allah is free of needing anything from us. His majesty is independent of our existence. The Allah means exalted or supremely exalted is He in His essence and His attributes above the created beings. When we say, exalted is your majesty, ta'ala jadduka, we should remember that no matter how much we advance in the knowledge of the attributes of Allah Almighty, the majesty of His being is supremely exalted beyond our comprehension. Wala ilaha ghayruka, and there is none worthy of worship except you. Addressing Allah in the second person. In Kalima, we say there is none worthy of worship except Allah and refer to Allah in the third person. However, here we say there is none worthy of worship except you and refer to Him in the second person. In Sana, we address Allah Almighty five times with the word you, as if He is in front of us. 
the purpose is to create the state of ihsan, which is a prerequisite for true salat. The Holy Prophet ﷺ was asked about ihsan. He said, it is to worship Allah as if you see Him. And if you cannot achieve this state of devotion, then you must consider that He is looking at you. Sahih Bukhari Allah Almighty has taught us to address Him directly to make these words more personal. When our mind says the word you, our heart will only say it along with us if we are in a state of ihsan. Each time we say the word you in sana, it carries a personal feeling of closeness and of seeing Allah Almighty. The purpose of sana is to ensure that we start our prayer in the state of ihsan. We address Allah Almighty in the second person tense because sana is an interaction with God. There is one moment when we realize that Allah Almighty is not distant. Rather, He is present in the same room as we are. There is another moment when we realize that we are not speaking to ourselves, but we are speaking directly to Allah Almighty. Allah ceases to be a distant concept. He becomes a living God who is present. By the time we finish sana, we are in that state of ihsan which is necessary for proper salat. If we cannot achieve the state of seeing Allah, then the repeated use of the word you should at least remind us that Allah Almighty is looking at us, that He is present. Whether we can see Him or not, He is still there and we should worship as if we are aware that He is seeing us. This is also ihsan, and a salat that meets this minimum prerequisite will surely be fruitful. Meaning of Kalima The meaning of La ilaha illallah is La matlubali wa la mahbubali Wala ma'budali wala muta'ali Wala maqsudali illallah I have no desire and I have no beloved and I have none I worship and I have none I obey and I have no purpose except Allah When we do not see the beauties of Allah in front of us we may struggle to sincerely say that in this moment I have no desire except Allah Although we believe in the kalima and concept our practical reality may conflict with it However after having observed sana, we have now reached the state of ihsan and we can see Allah in front of us. Having reflected on His names, we now see reflections of Him around us. Having seen His beauty, now hearing the name Allah brings a familiar being to mind. Now our heart no longer hesitates to reaffirm that there is none I worship and obey except Allah. When we say that in this moment I have no desire, no beloved, and no purpose except for Allah. Our heart is also saying these words because we are seeing Allah. When we say, there is none worthy of worship except you, it is now a statement of the obvious. When we have seen the beauty of Allah Almighty, the beauty of everything else becomes meaningless. The level of clarity that we have in Salat is hard to maintain afterwards. So what do we do when we go back into the world? Our priorities can again become conflicted. But that is why